0: Well, good morning, happy leap day. Anybody here born on February 29th? If you are, just stand up really quick. Anybody at all? Do we have a February 29th? Surely someplace. We have one, any more? Just one? Happy fifth birthday. been getting ripped off all of these years by not celebrating and so uh, congratulations on uh, making it to your fifth birthday. Well, Patty, I need some help. Would you come up here with me for just a second? you know my my job is to uh, introduce our speaker today but you know when somebody's in the house that really could introduce that person better I, I think you know you just want to defer to that person but I started doing a little research and I, I I found some pictures from back in the day, so, <laughs> so, uh, Patty, help us out now. Wh- wh- which one would be your right by the coach? Right by the coach, there, the guy with the when he still had hair. When he still, yeah, I wasn't going to talk about that, but, but I'm just thinking, look at the biceps, <laughs> you know, there. Marion College days, yeah, that that was like the whole cross country team at that point, wasn't it? Yeah. Was that the whole male student body at that point? Or, I'm just kidding about that. All right, next picture, please. Yeah, would right he, right dead square in the middle? Yeah, he looks, he looks pretty serious there. I think this is probably after you had like rejected going out with him seven times, seven times. yeah. I mean, how could, you, how could you say no to a guy with a face like that? That's what, that's, and, a body. and a body, yeah. I, I, this is a, a G audience here, okay? So, this is chapel at Indiana Wesleyan University, Patty. All right, next next slide here. Oh, that's where I fell in love. That's where you fell in love. Yeah, that's kind of a glamour shot there. Um, yeah, is that the last picture we got, or do we have one more? Oh yeah. This is kind of more the professorial, you know, look and. Um, So, all right, so I want you to tell these guys something that uh, maybe they don't know that maybe they really need to know about your husband.
1: Oh, man, this is spur of the minute, Keith. Let me think just a second. This guy, uh, probably the thing that I love most about him is that he loves Jesus undeniably. He died for Jesus, and he loves me that way, too. Maybe not as much as Jesus, but close,
0: and he loves our girls and he loves his grandkids and he loves you. Oh, I could go on and on. That's, that's pretty good. Well, the big reason I'm here to introduce him today is that I have the privilege of uh, telling you, making uh, the grand announcement for the very first time that we have dropped the interim title and John Bray is your new Dean of the Chapel. Would you join me in welcoming him to the stage?
1: Thank you. Thank you guys. You see, as you watch the progression of pictures, you understand how hard college life can be on you because (laughs) my hair just kept, started disappearing back then i got a question for you. Actually, let me just say it's a real privilege to have, be in this position. And I want you to know that uh, I'll do my very best to uh, make this 55 minutes, three days a week, something that you'll lean into rather than just something you have to endure. And I want to challenge you to lean into it, to understand that we have an incredible honor of coming three times a week to say, God, you have a chance to intersect with my life. And if we let him do that, our lives will never be the same. But I do have a question. How many of you, thanks, Jennifer, how many of you sometime over Christmas or just after that saw the most recent Star Wars movie? Yeah. You know one reason you did that? That's because back in 1977, George Lucas came out with the first Star Wars movie, which was actually the fourth Star Wars movie, except we hadn't seen the first three Star Wars movies yet. And and, and I know know that I saw it when it first came out in the theater. And I know he started with four and then did five and then did six, and then went back and did one and two and three. And um, I could have skipped one and two and three because four and five and six were better. And then, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. Now... That was long before you were born, 1977, but there's some movies that just grab a hold of us in our culture, and we all experience them together. There was another movie made before you were born, 1980, that, um, that I'm guessing all the men in the audience have seen. I'm not sure about the women, but the men in the audience have seen, and I just want you to watch a compilation of a few clips from that movie. Now, there are a couple behaviors that I do not recommend. First of all, uh, I don't recommend you start smoking. Don't light up. It's not good for you. Secondly, if you're driving down Wildcat Drive and you blow a stop sign and a campus cop lights up behind you, don't flee. (laughs) Just pull over, hands on the steering wheel when they ask for driver's license and registration. Get that. But, you know, don't flee. But here's the one thing I do think that we need to understand. It's not putting the band back together, but we are on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God to change the world one person at a time, one relationship at a time, one life at a time. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. If you have your Bibles or your phones or you just want to look up on screen, we're going to look at scripture from Luke chapter 19. It's a story you may be familiar with. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this, and they began to mutter, He's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything... I'll pay him back four times that amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now here's the deal. Jesus is passing through Jericho because he is a man on a mission. If you poke around in the context of this passage where it's said in the timeline of the life of Jesus. What you discover is that in chapter 18, he told his disciples that they were headed to Jerusalem where he would be mocked and insulted and spat upon and beaten and killed. That's what he just told them. He was headed toward a cross. I'm guessing he must have had a lot on his mind as he walked along the road with his disciples Now the text doesn't tell us this, but logic suggests that he was giving him last minute coaching. He knew, he knew that his earth time was about done and he must have been walking along saying, don't forget, love God. Don't forget, love the other guy. Don't forget, blessed are the poor in spirit. Don't forget, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Don't forget that when people persecute you, that's okay because it's a signal you're of the kingdom of God. Don't forget, by the way, that the greatest among you Is the one who serves. The servant. He's coaching him all along. At least I'm guessing he is. But as he gets to the outskirts. Of Jericho. We can get back to the text. That we know for sure. And there's this blind guy. Who says. Have mercy on me. And they try to shut him up. Because they're all about hearing. What Jesus has to say. And the guy cries out all the more. And Jesus stops and heals the guy. (laughs) And if it's like. What happens other times Jesus heals the guy? A crowd begins to surge in on him. There's already people around him, but but don't you know that the message spreads? He he just healed Bartimaeus. Kids in town hear that Jesus is on the way and they say, Let's get over to Jericho Road, maybe he'll do it or Jerusalem Road, maybe he'll do another miracle and, and we'll get to see it. Wouldn't it be cool if that lame guy who sits at the gate gets up and starts walking around? And I'm guessing that somewhere in some small home, somewhere in that city, someone thought, Jesus is in town? I need to be healed. And wanted to hurry as quickly as they could to Jerusalem Road. Maybe Jesus will pass by and connect with me. And to the crowd around Jesus is like normal crowds that surrounded him. There were some critics there as well. Some people who were trying to catch him saying something that they considered blasphemous so they could accuse him. The text doesn't tell us specifically who was surrounding him. It just says there was a crowd, and that's Jesus, a man on the mission in the middle of the crowd. And, and there was this other guy. His name was Zacchaeus. Do you remember the song? Yeah, let's play it. You can sing if you want to. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see.
0: And when the Savior
1: passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Yeah, yeah. Some of you even did the motions, and I'm guessing if I took the time right now to check Yik Yak, it just lit up. He's treating us like Sunday school kids. Well, actually, I had to sing the Sunday school song to make a point about it. I think sometimes we get so familiar with the Sunday school version of some of the stories that we miss out on what really went on right there because this is a massive moment in the life of Jesus, a pivotal moment in the Gospel of Luke. And the story of Zacchaeus being a wee little man doesn't really tell it. Here's a guy who wanted to see Jesus. But he's too short to see over the crowd. He's curious. We know that from the story. But we don't know that he's anything more than curious at this point. Doesn't say he wanted to interact with Jesus so he could be saved. It just says he wanted to see him. The crowd is big. They don't let him in. You'd think maybe the crowd would say, if there's anybody who needs Jesus, it's this guy. Step up, Zacchaeus. But they don't. So he runs up ahead to a tree, climbs up in it, sits there to watch. And Jesus, who's passing through Jericho on a mission, interrupts his journey because he is a man on a mission. Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus responds, but But if you notice the story when we read it, the crowd responded too. Now, the crowd responds for a different reason. He's going to be the guest of a a sinner. I can't say that word with, with enough of the criticism that the crowd was speaking with. This is more than just complaining that they've been left out of the party. Jewish religion emphasized Purity. It emphasized purity that was obtained by following the righteous rules and the traditions and customs of the Pharisees and the scribes and the rabbis. They called for separation from anyone who might be impure and they consider Zacchaeus impure. He is a thief because he's a tax collector. And the way tax collection worked in those days, it's not like the IRS today where they got all these published l- rules and stuff like that that you can, that you can follow. In those days, a, a guy who wanted to be a tax collector made a bid to the Roman government and said, here's how much tax money I will bring you. And if they got the job, then they went out and they taxed everybody else as much as they could. They gouged them to get as much money as they possibly could, gave the Romans what they'd agreed to and lived on the difference. Zacchaeus not only had done that but he was a chief tax collector he got his cut but then he got his cut from all the other tax collectors too so so this is a guy who's gouging them they didn't like that but on top of that he's considered a collaborator with the Roman officials they're impure and by his association with them he's incredibly impure and Jesus says to him let's do lunch And it's a big deal because in Jewish culture a culture of table fellowship joining someone for dinner was a signal that you accepted them and they accepted you it was a sign of approval. And it says and all of the crowd everybody begins to mutter they hate Zacchaeus and Jesus doesn't. So they erupt. I'm guessing Jesus knew that would happen because it happened other times when he interacted with sinners in ways that the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders didn't didn't like. But even though he knew it was coming, Jesus walking down the road didn't stop and say, Peter, 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 come here, come here, come here. Don't look now. But there's a guy up ahead sitting in a tree. No, no, don't look. There's a guy up there in a tree. When I walk past him, you slip out, you go and go, hey, 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 Zacchaeus, the master wants to see you. Get him to slip over to his house, and then I'll have Andrew create a disturbance, and I'll slip out. We'll hook up for lunch. He doesn't say that. With the crowd around him and everybody paying attention, he stops right by the tree and says, Zacchaeus, yo, you. They didn't translate the yo, you in the New International Version. I must stay at your house today. Right in front of everybody. So everybody sees Jesus stops and talks to this outcast, this outsider. And it is a picture of what the mission of Jesus is all about. He's not simply saving sinners in some general category. He's about saving specific people about including specific people in. In another moment, a couple thousand years later, perhaps you had a moment with him. A moment when his grace and his mercy intersected with your life and you came to know Christ. A moment when you accepted his invitation and you responded. He he came to call you to repentance and other people may have drawn a circle of faith that was just a little smaller than you, and you were outside there, and Jesus draws a circle big enough to include you in and said, welcome, welcome to my family. He said, let's do lunch sometimes, and you did. Now, it's easy for us to sit here 2,000 years ago and be critical of the crowd. I mean, why didn't they open a way for Zacchaeus? Why didn't they say, he is the guy who needs him, let's see if we can connect them? Why didn't they say that? Well, before I tell you my response, I wanna take you back to the Blues Brothers. Jake and Elwood are trying to get the band back together and they've stopped at a diner to convince Matt Guitar Murphy to join the band again and Mrs. Murphy is not all happy. Okay, first of all, never tell your woman to shut up. (laughs) But all she can think about is what's gonna happen to her if a man joins the band again, you better think what you're doing to me. It's easy for us to be critical of the crowd, and I'm guessing if the story of Zacchaeus were ever put to a musical, they could sing that song right there. That the crowd's going, wait a second, look what you're doing to me. You're disrespecting my traditions. You're disrespecting my convictions. You're disrespecting how I was raised. You're disrespecting my opinions. You're... You're disrespecting our social taboos. You're giving Zacchaeus way too much credit. Jesus is having lunch with a guy they wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. It's easy to read the story and be critical of the crowd because we're Christ followers. We're sympathetic to Jesus. That's part of it. And part of it is we know how the story ends. Zacchaeus repents. But I'm wondering, I'm wondering if our criticism them of them is as justified as we'd like it to be. You see, in some ways, we're a little bit like them. We've all decided mostly what we believe and what we're comfortable and what we're like. We try to put Jesus into a box of our own expectations. For some of us, for some of us following Jesus, is all about worship. You know, let's just ditch the speakers for chapel and sing for 55 minutes every day. For some of it's about holiness and purity. For others, it's about social justice. For some people, Jesus is just kind of a divine waiter doing whatever we ask him to do or we want him to do that. Jesus, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. It's about helping me that he's here to meet our needs. But Jesus, in the midst of this crowd being all bent out of shape, says something pivotal. In fact, a lot of scholars consider something he says in verse 10 to be the key verse of the gospel of Luke. I don't know if you remember what it said. It said the Son of Man, which was his most common name that he called himself. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is why I'm here. I'm willing to take the heat of criticism. I'm willing to take the pain of the cross in order to seek and save someone who's lost. That's what I'm about. This is my mission In fact, Jesus always seemed to seek out the marginalized, the rejected. When he called his 12 disciples, they had all been rejected at some point along the line as not being rabbi worth, rabbi material, and Jesus says, no, I can pick you, and I can pick you, and I can pick you, come follow me. He was always connecting with rejected people. Now, I say all this as a background, to just simply ask you a a simple question, and that is, what's your mission Some of you say, well, I'm a nursing major, I'm a religion major, I'm a business major. I didn't ask what your major is. I asked what your mission is. If Jesus came walking into Marion today and we crowded around him like the crowd in Jericho, where would he stop? With whom would he interact? Maybe he'd go up on the other side of 38th Street and talk to someone who doesn't fit into your cultural comfort zone. Maybe not as educated as you, maybe not as comfortable financially, even though you're college students, you say, I'm not comfortable financially. A lot of them are less comfortable than you. Maybe some of them have made bad choices. Others have made choices that have affected them. But I'm wondering if Jesus might stop and ask you to come with him and ask us to have compassion that might stand in awe of what the poor have to carry rather than stand in judgment of how they're carrying it. What's your mission? Maybe Jesus would ask you to walk down the hallway and talk to that guy who doesn't like you. He's made it clear. Just They're down there and they're not part of your crowd. They're not focused on what you focus on. Maybe it's because they're not religious at all, or maybe you're in that end of the hall and you think of the guy at the other end as being just this religious nerd, this religious freak. They're way too serious about Jesus. Here's the deal. Like people in the Zacchaeus story, we tend to draw circles in life, circles around us, circles of inclusion. I like you because you like me, and we probably like each other because we're like each other. So we hang out, and we have our friends that we're hanging with. But in reality, every circle of inclusion is a circle of exclusion. It includes somebody out. And when someone's on the outside of your circle, it's easy to label them. Maybe they're the partiers, or maybe they're the music nerds, or the science nerds, or the religious nerds, the weird kid, the ugly kid. The guy who sits in chapel in front and worships demonstratively. The guy who sits in back and is almost out of batteries on his phone because he's playing video games. It's easy to think critically of the other guy or maybe even worse, not think of them at all. And the story of Zacchaeus in part is at least the story that challenges us to draw bigger circles. To say, what if I thought about them? What if I stopped in the middle of my day and stopped to have a conversation with them? IWU makes no apologies for saying we're a Christ-centered university. But, but you don't have to sign a statement of faith to, to attend here. Maybe you're someone sitting here today who could not have done that, at least honestly, and you're in chapel today because it's required and you've already used your chapel skips for the year and you don't want to be on a chapel hold for next year, so, you'll, so you're here. And you feel like an outsider in an insider university. I want you to know something. Today, Jesus would stop at your tree and says, I've been watching you. And I don't know how you feel about how other people might feel about you, but I love you with an overwhelming love. It is just amazing how much I love you. And he'd invite you to come down and have lunch. And as you respond to that, it might change your life. There's some of you here who could sign that statement of faith, but you still feel like an outsider. You carry around pain in your life. You look around at a bunch of people who seem to have a pretty good story, but you don't have a perfect history. You've been abused, or you've been raped, or you're addicted. You're in depression. You put a good face on every day, but you're pretending. And you're worried that if people really knew you, they'd exclude you. Maybe you've drawn a tight circle around yourself to protect yourself. And if Jesus walked in today, he might stop at the foot of your tree and say, do you realize how much I love you? Do you realize how much I value you? Do you realize how whole I want your life to be? He's drawing a circle big enough to say, you really matter. And he looks at you with incredible love. How about some of the rest of you? You likely have drawn circles in your life. It's easy to hang out with some people and it's easy to exclude others. Quite honestly, we don't even think that much about the people who are outside of our circle. We don't. And Jesus said the mission he's on and the mission he calls us to is to think of them, the outsider, the one who's not quite like you, but who needs to be loved, who needs to be honored, who needs to know Jesus. Let me close with this. It's time to stop singing Aretha's song. It's time to stop singing Think about what you're doing to me. Life's not about me. I'm on a mission from God. Life's not about you. You're on a mission from God. Those who are spiritually lost need to be found. Those who are lonely need to be loved. Those who are marginalized need to be included. Love God? Yep. Love others? Just as much, Jesus said. That's your mission. I want to challenge you to draw a big enough circle to include somebody else in. Would you let me pray for you? Lord, how easy it is to hang out with people who like to hang out with us. How easy it is not to think much about those who aren't in our circle or if when we do think about them to think about them with a little Criticism. Forgive us, Lord. Because you are the God who loved us so much that you just drew a big circle. You came and you lived and you died. You gave your life because you loved the world. May we be people who get just a hint of what you're about as we love them in the love of Jesus. And may we, one person at a time, change the world. In Jesus' name, amen.